Warning, this podcast contains mature themes, coarse language, and hella spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Boys and Secret Societies. What could go wrong? Find out this episode on Love and Horror. Welcome to Love and Horror, episode seven. seven. I'm Deanne. I'm Laura. And uh, this week we're talking about some teenage boys. Woo, teenage boys. <laughs> I mean, there was a time in my life where that's all I thought about, so. Yeah, um, if we were to say that now, we'd be a little bit creepy. A little bit, but, you know. <laughs> we're not telling anybody, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, before we get into the the thick of it. Into the thick of it. <laughs> I was just going to do that, and then I'm like, no, Ugh. I talk about TikTok way too much. Take a shot if you're playing Love and Horror Bingo. I guess you don't take shots when you play bingo, though. Well, you could. Okay. I've seen bingo. No, I've seen TikTok toe boards with shots. TikTok toe, eh? TikTok toe. She's got TikTok on the brain. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> before we get into the thick of it, any updates from your life you want to share? We just spent the last half hour trying to figure out how to get two microphones working so that we didn't have to sit on each other's lap for this. Um yeah, any updates? I fucking hate technology. I've been meaning all day to check and see if Mercury is in retrograde because it's like it fucking feels like it and I haven't checked. So that's all I got. Past that, it's like, no. I got, I don't know. I don't think I've done anything interesting since we last spoke. <laughs> I'm sure I have, but I don't know. I got nothing. I, oh, I went camping since we last spoke. Oh, I nice. went to uh, Outlook, which is... A really pretty little town a couple hours away from here. I'd never camped there before, and it is gorgeous. So if you're in Saskatchewan, go there. Cool. Is it uh, like a provincial park or like a regional? It's a regional park, um, but it's right on, like, right on the edge of the South Saskatchewan River. And it's kind of at a low point where there's sandbars that you can walk out onto and stuff. So we spent the whole weekend walking in these sandbars. We walked miles and miles in the sand, and it's powder powder soft sand that you take your shoes off and you you uh, you can kind of the the currents change what the tide pools and stuff are overnight oh, and so it was different from one day to the next but so one place you walk through one day and it was shallow the next day you'd walk through and you'd sink um the sand was still there but the water level was up so it sucked you in like quicksand would this be some non-Newtonian liquid we're talking about? It 100% was non-Newtonian li- liquid. My cousin's little girl was walking through it and she got sucked in and she was showing me how if I jump, if I move my feet quick, it'll I can climb out. But if I stay still, it's like solid. And she said, it's like oobleck. And that's what I said. It's non-Newtonian fluid. What's oobleck? Oobleck is non-Newtonian fluid. But legit, what is oobleck? Like what is, what does it do? What's it for? Do you buy oobleck? You make oobleck. You probably can buy it too, but it's just cornstarch and water, and it it makes a non-Newtonian fluid. So you can, um, 
<laughs> Welcome to science. Right? Um, <laughs> to science. It is science. They, okay, they no, do no, demonstrations. It was, it was just like, funny how you were like, Welcome to science. Today we will be doing science. science. <laughs> um, anyway, they'll show it to you at the science center if you go there. Okay. Um, yeah, you take cornstarch and water and you mix it up. And then if you... Um, move your hand slowly through it like if you slowly sink your hand into it it'll sink but if you try and do it fast it becomes a solid oh wow it's super cool. crazy science science i'm totally science, gonna make bitch. for you next time you're at my house and we'll okay you right. can like if you grab some of it and you hold it tight in your hand it feels like a like a solid and then you open your hand and it's little it just melts it's whoa that's crazy science got any cornstarch uh, I, I do actually, yes. <laughs> we'll be back later. We're going to make oobleck. <laughs> okay, well, I think we can probably get right into our movies then. Sounds good. Okay. okay. Maybe not have a two hour long episode. We'll do an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, who's going first? Oh, that's a good question. I went first last time. Okay, then I'll do mine first this time. So for our teenage boys slash... Secret Society episode, um, I picked Dead Poets Society for you. Um, so tell me first, do you did you know anything about Dead Poets going in? Um, I knew that it had Robin Williams in it. And I knew that it was about like a private school or something for boys. Um... And I figured it had something to do with like a language class or like an English class. That's about all. I, and I feel like I knew that it was like Robin Williams comes in with like crazy new ideas and like turns the school on its head. That's all I knew about it though. That's it. Well, that's that's more than a lot yeah. of them we've had so far. So, so Dead Poet Society was released in 1989. And uh, obviously it stars Robin Williams, Robert Sean Leonard, who, side note, he was his his pushy dad in the movie was pushing him to be a doctor. And then he and played then he a doctor on, yeah, house on House for yeah. many years. Yeah. Um, it also starred baby Ethan Hawke. Mm-hmm. Yes, super baby Ethan Hawke. Yeah. I, um, I love, love, love Ethan Hawke from one specific movie that I haven't suggested as one to make you watch because I'm assuming you've watched it. And if you haven't, I'm leaving right now. <laughs> leaving. Mic drop. Can you guess what it is? Reality Bites. Yes. 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 <gasps> I was a teenager in the 90s. I watched it. I listened to that so- soundtrack until I wore it out. And yes, I was going to marry Ethan Hawke and have the same haircut as Janine Garofalo. Yes. And spoiler alert, I kind of do. You kind so, of do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I definitely wanted to be Janine Garofalo. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, back to the movie we actually watched this week. Uh, so yeah, um, Ethan Hawke and Red Foreman, a.k.a. Kurtwood Smith. Yeah. It was directed by Peter Weir and was made for $16,400,000, nope. $16,400,000, and it grossed almost $96 million. Holy shit. Yeah. $96 million. Oh, my yeah. God. It did well. Uh, it has 85% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, 79 on Metacritic, and it won an Oscar for Best Screenplay. Cool. And the reason I picked it is this is a movie I have watched countless times I will watch countless more times it's um it's a real classic and it's like thinking about 
Laura in the 90s. And my sensitive little heart, it just was everything that, you know, I was the kid who, who wanted to have that teacher. Mm-hmm. I, I would have, you know, any, like any of the artsy teachers I gravitated to, I was the kid who was like learning poetry on my spare time. <laughs> I still do sometimes. Yeah. I like, well, just, I got some d- downtime at work. I'm just going to. Pick a poem and start memorizing it. Wow, okay. Uh, so, do you want the fun facts now, or? Um. I think we usually do them before. But yeah. Okay. I only have a few. Yeah, give, give me some fun facts. Lay it on me. Uh, so, my favorite fact about this is that Ethan Hawke was 18, and I've, I mean, I know very little about him other than the few movie roles mm-hmm. that I loved with him in them. But I can see how he probably, especially as a teenager, would have taken himself very seriously. Yeah. And who doesn't take himself very seriously? Robin Williams. Yes. Yeah. Or didn't. Yeah. Um, So Ethan Hawke was having none of Robin Williams shenanigans. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) Aw. He... uh, he he's talked about it since and said, you know, like in hindsight, it was everything he needed. But um, he was uh, quoted as saying, "I thought Robin hated me. He had a habit of making a ton of jokes on set. At eighteen, I found it incredibly irritating. He wouldn't stop, and I wouldn't laugh at anything oh, he did. Man. How can you not laugh at Robin Williams? Like, um, right? Come on. The picture of young Mr. Keating when the the boys find his annual." Uh, is actually Robin Williams' high school picture. Uh, Robin Williams said this was one of his favorite movies that he ever did. Cool. And uh, Liam Neeson was actually originally cast as Mr. Keating. Oh, really? Which I can actually kind of see. There were a couple other um, actors that were listed as as ones that were in contention. I could kind of actually see Liam Neeson doing this. but He'd be uh, like, you boys have to behave now. I have a very specific set of skills. <laughs> I will find you, and I will kill you. Or make you learn a poem. Yeah. And my last little factoid before I let you talk. This is the Laura show. <laughs> <laughs> so your buddy Roger Ebert hated this movie. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. He, uh, he gave it two stars and said... Dead Poet Society is a collection of pious platitudes masquerading as courageous stand in favor of something. Doing your own thing, I think. Okay, Roger. And there's one other one from here, him too here that I have that was on Metacritic. Uh, where he said, Not the worst of the countless recent movies about good kids and hidebound authors authoritarian older people it may however be the most shameless in its attempt to pander at an adolescent audience oh god get over it roger we get it you're fucking smart and you have big thoughts (laughs) the rest of the critics at the time were very flattering of it it got really good reviews uh Williams is impressively restrained as well as funny so fans need not fret it only means that instead of good morning preppies we're given a bittersweet, even eerie goodbye, Mr. Hip. Uh, so tell us what the plot of Dead Poet Society is. Okay. Well, um, when I was giving you my first impressions, I was pretty uh, 
pretty spot on, I guess. It's basically about a boarding school for uh, for young boys in high school. Um, and they it's very, like, very stodgy, very, like, you know, buttoned up and very proper. Um, it takes place in the 50s. And they have this new English teacher. Oh, I guess specifically a poetry teacher because that's just a separate class you can take at this school. Yeah, I would. Yeah, he would. And, and yeah, and so they kind of learn to, to like question things more, not just kind of do everything that they've always been told to do, because that's what we've always done. They, uh, they have this, this new teacher kind of like turns them on their ear. And yeah, then they kind of branch out this little group of boys, this dead poet society. Um, they kind of branch out and they sow some wild oats and <laughs> some of them it works out for and some of them it really doesn't really doesn't yeah all right well what were your thoughts okay well starting off watching it like the whole procession into uh the church or i assume it's like a little chapel kind yeah. of thing um i was like this procession is like a death march like it's just so like sad and plodding and as they're like sitting in um, in the pews, and then the the headmaster or whatever is there, and there's like a group of people sitting on like a pew, kind of like next to the headmaster, and there's this guy who's about a thousand years old, and he's just like sitting there, and his mouth is just like gaping open, <laughs> it's just like hardly awake, and it's like yeah, it's like, like a really inspiring place to be. Yeah, know? it just seems like just so like cold and sad and dead in there. Um, so my first like real thought after that was, oh my God, it's baby Dr. Wilson. <laughs> Cause I, I didn't know anyone who was in oh, this movie yeah. aside from Robin Williams. Yeah. So then my next thought is Ethan Hawke. Like, <laughs> then I was like, who else is in this movie? This is like our last week where my entire commentary was, oh, it's, it's, it's that guy. It's that guy. Yeah. <coughs> um, and then my next, oh, is, oh, they're in the U.S. I just assumed that this was like. There was a lot of English accents in it, and then there was a lot of references to Scotland. So I just assumed they were in England somehow. And then, I don't know, there was something said shortly after it about being in the United States. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, they're American. I thought for sure that they were setting this up to be in England. It does, it even looks very British, kind of. Yeah, yeah. So they must be in the new England you Maybe. keep hearing about. <laughs> it, it does. What's this new England? <laughs> it does feel very, like... New Englandish. It does, and, yeah. And they make I'm references. Honestly, I can't think. Of, I can't remember where it is supposed to take yeah, place. They make references of like, um, I think uh, Doctor Wilson. I can't think of what his name is. Neil. Neil. Yeah. Um, they make reference of Neil how his dad says like, "You're going to go to Harvard." So I yeah. feel like maybe they're in Massachusetts. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll say that. And then I just feel like this whole thing, like setting up that scene, that that opening scene is just like the crushing weight of parental expectation. Absolutely. Like just, oh, you're so-and-so's kid. You're going to, you really have to live up to this. Or yeah. you're like, oh, your brother went here before. He was this, this, and this. So you better be as good as him. Yeah. And it's like, it's my first day. Right. Like, I don't even know what I want yet. And I'm painfully shy and... Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, then at the very beginning, they show like, like the little, little kids going yeah. there. And they're just like crying. They're like, yeah. I don't want to go. And it's like, oh my God, that's awful. I know. <laughs> yeah. And then just all the like 
set like they're in their dorms and they're setting things up and it's like I couldn't imagine going to a boarding school like as like in high school because I wouldn't even live on campus when I was in college I was <laughs> like I will go to school but I am not living in a dorm <laughs> so I would only go if I was like on like, like well not not I would like only go but I was like I'm gonna go but I am not living in a dorm yeah and there's some schools like in colleges where freshmen have to spend their first year on campus and it's like that would kill me and I would hate it (laughs) or maybe I would love it I don't know but it just doesn't seem like fun to me I didn't live on campus when I went to university although I did like sleep there a lot (laughs) (laughs) not in like dorm rooms or anything just in like the common areas. Oh yeah, I, I've definitely. You find napping yeah. in the pit. And. Yeah, you definitely have like a nap in the, <laughs> in the, whatever your like school's yeah place is called. University of Regina has has a pit, and it literally is. It's like, like it's just like a big sunken living room almost. Oh okay, cool. Um, Lethbridge College had the fishbowl. Oh <laughs> yeah. And then the University of Lethbridge, because we're just welcome to fucking lot university architectural digest here. <laughs> um, the University of Lethbridge has the longest corridor, an uninterrupted corridor, which is the hallway in like North America or something. Hmm. So there's like all all sorts of like benches and couches and stuff, and that was always a good place to like hang out. But yeah, when you like got off the bus at like one end of the corridor and you have five minutes to get to a class at like the other end of the hall, it's like you just. Yeah. Roller skates. Right? Yeah. Anyway. So I love how they kind of have their first class with Robin Williams. And he's like, take this page and rip it out. And rip out this page. And rip out this page. And everyone's like, "Uh, that would be defacing school property. We can't do that. Proper boy. Yeah. Although, you know what? My, like, rule-following goody two-shoes heart... That that scene, like you know, as as inspiring as I found Mr. Keating, yeah. uh, I would I would have if it were you know a situation like in university where you have to buy your textbooks and you've paid for them and you're there they're yours. Sure, I'd rip a page out, but this is like school property. I never would. <laughs> yeah, like I think of when I was in high school and we had to pay for books because. I don't know. I went to Catholic school, so it's different from mm. public school. But we would have to send in a check like every every year. And it's like, here's for these books. And it oh. wasn't a lot of money, but it was kind of like, you yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember exactly how it is. But there were definitely books that I'd hand in at the end of the year. And if they like weren't in as good a shape. Then it'd oh, be like, you had to like make a deposit. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, I think that's how it worked. Yeah. So when I was watching that, I was just like, but now you're not, you're, you're going to get charged for that. Or like, <laughs> that's, you can't do that. So. Although I suppose the kids who go to that kind of a school, their parents yeah. can probably afford a This a is true. Book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. Um, it took me a while to figure out that the annual is a yearbook. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, what the fuck is an annual? Because uh, Neil was like all sad because his dad said that he couldn't be on the annual. Yeah. And it's like, yo, Red Foreman, you don't go to this school. Right? Your kid does. If he wants to be on the annual, let him be on the annual. Ugh. Yeah, it's like does does uh Kerwood Smith have a like a is that his name? Yep. Kerwood Smith? Does he have like a clause in his contract where it's like I must be an overbearing dad and everything I, think I do? So, yeah. Yeah. So it's like I think Brian Cranston has a clause in his contract where it's like I must be in my underpants at least eighty three percent of the time or something like that. 
So a sign of the times, they're in their study hall. And the like teacher who's, you know, kind of like watching over the study hall, just smoking like a big yes. pipe. There's and I was so like, much I was like, this, this is crazy. And then I look behind him and it's like, oh, and there's just displays of guns on the wall. <laughs> like, what is happening here? <laughs> oh, and then they they like go later to once they find their little dead poet society and they're in the cave and they all have like pipes. And they're all like, look at us. We're being fancy, yeah. fancy men. Mature. Yeah. And it's like, where did you all get pipes from? Like, it's one thing to like smoke cigarettes, but where do you have pipes from? Like, yeah. where, where did you just get those from? <laughs> I've never even thought of that. Yeah. I don't know. As soon as I saw that, I was like, you know, I can see like, you know, oh, I, I you know, I stole a pack of cigarettes from so-and-so and like, we're all going to smoke it. But yeah. like what you sold, you stole like half a dozen pipes. <laughs> where, where did you get these pipes from? I appreciate when it first started, like when they first got into their first meeting of the Dead Poet Society, it kind of started off as like the ghost scary story society. Yeah. And it's like, I'm here for this society. This, I, I, will, <laughs> I will be here for this. But then like later as they like go on in the, in the Dead Poet Society, oh, what is his name? Charles. No wonder. No wonder. What the fuck is that? <laughs> what do you like... Like, the first time he was like, I'm Nawanda now. I was like, well, there's probably a joke here. Oh, he just thinks he's Nawanda now. And yeah. he's, like, he's like, I'm a very serious beatnik. You can call me Nawanda. Look at this. I have a black beret and a play the saxophone. I'm Nawanda. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but maybe you don't need red war paint. And it's, a, it's in a quote-unquote old Indian cave. Oh, yes. There's that, too. The old Indian cave. So... That's great. <laughs> Good job, Nuwanda. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, like, there's one part I have in here. I just wrote down, fucking Meeks laying bars. So I feel like he was, like, rapping his first poem or something. <laughs> I can't think of what he was saying now, I'm but it was definitely... Either. And then they all, like, kind of, like, danced out of the cave, like, like rapping this thing. Yes, yeah. yeah. And it was, like... Pretty cool. <laughs> they're trying to like kind of like expand their minds, like explore their creative side, but they're still just like little like Teenage rich white boys. dorks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you haven't experienced any culture yet to be cool about. <laughs> so then we're in the class and um, Anderson, Ethan Hawke, mm -hmm. who is like just painfully shy and he doesn't want to like, you know, like speak in class. He doesn't even want to like speak in the Dead Poet Society. He's just like, no, I don't have a voice. Don't make me use it. Blah, blah, blah. And as cool as Robin Williams' like teacher character is, calling Anderson out in front of the class about the assignment is a complete dick move. Like it's exactly what the cool teacher shouldn't do when he's like, "Anderson, I know this like I know this assignment like scares the shit out of you or whatever." Yeah. It's like, well, don't make him feel bad about it. I hate to make excuses, but I feel like in the 50s, that would have been the progressive thing to do, though, right? Like, we know different now that, that a kid like that, it's only going to make it worse. But I feel like probably that would have been, like, the, yeah, the progressive thing. Okay, that's fair. Kind of like a stodgy teacher would just be like, you're going to do this, Anderson. Whereas, like, the, the cool teacher in the 50s would be like, look it, I get it. This scares you. You're going to fucking do it anyway, though. I think it was like a... I'm the teacher who believes in you. Oh, okay. Which really he was, like in the end, like he yeah. was. And he like pulled a good like 
performance or whatever out of Anderson. But yeah, just to like call him out in front of all his like fellow students, it's like, well, that doesn't make him feel any better. And then we see Neil who's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like try out to be in this play. And Anderson, his roommate is like, well, I don't know if you should because you, you know, like, what will your dad say? And there's this, and you have to get these letters of recommendation. And I don't know about, about this. And Neil just kind of like got defeated. He's like, haven't even got the part yet. And yeah. you're like talking me out of it. And it's like, that's so telling. Like we, we think I'm going to do this cool thing. And it's like, well, this might not work. Or I mean, I might, you know, I might not be good at this part or like this might not work. And it's like, but you don't know. I think that's like, that's a big kind of theme of the movie too. It's like, you don't know what's going to happen until you just like give it a try right you got to take chances yeah like that's what they say all through the movies like carpe diem yes like yeah you don't carpe diem (laughs) so there's also the other guy who's i can't think of what his name oh he's got a stupid name which is like when i first heard it i was like that's not a real name it's not next knox metropolitan but it's something like that over street knox over street Knox, Knox Metropolitan. Metropolitan. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of, like, Knox Overstreet? That's not a name. That is, like, the whitest name ever. Or, like... Like, I, if you were making a caricature of a stuffy white dude. Yeah, or if he's, like, like a, like a film noir, like, detective. Like, my name's Knox. Knox, Knox Overstreet. Yeah. It was a cloudy Tuesday afternoon when this dame walked in. Yeah, so anyway, so Knox is, like, in love with this girl, and he's all, like, nervous to talk to her or whatever, and so they finally are like, just do it! Just call her! And it's like, these are, like, the big, like, carpe diem things that these kids have, like, because they, they're so used to, I think, having, like, every little part of their life dictated. Yes. That it's like, should I do the thing? Should I just call a girl? Should I act in a play? Like, these are just... Yeah. yeah, like, and I, I know when you're, like, 16, 17, like, everything, everything is, like, the end of the world yeah. or the biggest deal. Everything's so intense. Yeah, but it's, like, these aren't even big things, guys. Like, just just give it a try. Um, I loved how then Nawanda brought the two girls back yeah. to, uh, to the Dead Poet Society. And it's, like, first of all, yo, don't bring skirts back to your boys club. Like, right. like even I know, like that is like a special place. Yeah. And he's, he's really trying to like make He ruins them, the whole thing. He really does. Everyone. And he's trying to make it like so cool. Like, look at this cool thing I'm in. And it's yeah. like, once you tell too many people, like it stops being cool. Exactly. But so he's, he's got these two girls back at the, at the cave and he's like, shall I compare thee to a summer's day? I made that up just for you. And it, it reminds me of a story stupid fucking thing that happened to me when I was in high school where like I was always like a really good writer and there were like a couple other like of the nerdy kids who were like we're good writers too but like unlike everyone else in in the class who was like that's why I write for the yearbook that's why I'm on the school newspaper I'm like that's why I sit in the back and wear all black and (laughs) write in my diary instead but um there were a couple kids who we would all kind of be like, oh, I wrote like this poem or I wrote like this cool thing. And we would kind of like swap them like kind of before class started sometimes. And I remember I kind of sat like in like the front left sort of quadrant with these couple other people in my Christian ethics class. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, we, and we would kind of like share things that we wrote. And this one guy, I think 
um, you know how like completely dense I am about like I can talk to someone for like five minutes and then they'll leave and people will be like they're flirting with you. you oh know? Yeah, yeah, and it'll be like what? So <laughs> are we on a date right now? Yeah, the amount of times that has actually happened to I me. Know. I'm great. Um, but yeah, so we we were like kind of like talking about things and he was like, oh, I wrote this thing and I read it. And like, as soon as I read it, I was like, these are tragically hip lyrics. <laughs> these are tragically hip lyrics. Because he was, because he was like, I wrote this poem and it starts with if I die. And I was like, whoa, that seems pretty intense. And he's like, here's the rest of it. And it was like, if I die of vanity, promise me, promise me that there be someplace I don't want to be. And it's like, and I was reading it and I was like, that's just at the hundredth meridian. But like, I never said it out loud. Like as soon as I read it, I was like, that's just the tragically hip. But I wasn't even trying to like impress him. I think I just didn't want to like call him out on the yeah. spot. So I was just like, oh, that's really cool. Well, class is starting now. But it's like, yeah. So um, yeah, I, I saw right through that. I had a book of poems. I wrote poetry in high school. Poetry. I, it's probably a good thing that that book doesn't exist anymore because <laughs> it would probably be so cringe. Oh, yeah. Because I just, you know, I was so angsty and deep and and thought thought I was deep and um oh man yeah I'm glad I don't remember what any of them are but the other poem that he reads in that scene mm -hmm. is one of the first ones that I memorized oh really she oh. walks in beauty like the night oh I don't think I recognized that one when they like mentioned it or whatever oh. it's Lord Byron oh Lord Byron. Lord Byron and then yeah so then they kind of come out of that Thing where out, out of that meeting and that's kind of when shit goes south because Charles is like I'm going to secretly tell people there's a dead poet society but yeah. I'm going to write it anonymously and no one will ever know and then I'm going to go into our assembly and basically tell everyone yeah, I exactly. wrote it anyway like, and, then, and then he had to go to the dean's office and I just wrote ooh he's getting the board of education <laughs> <laughs> oh but that's awful like yeah my grandma had a paddle in her house. I think I've told you of this before. She had a paddle in her house that was called the Board of Education. Oh, really? I and, don't uh, oh, yeah. Like, keeping in mind that it was like she had kids in like the 50s and 60s when things were different. Yeah. But anytime you ever got a spanking with the paddle, you had to sign your name on it. <laughs> so it's this Board of Education that has like my aunts and uncles and some of the neighbor kids, oh like names written on it. Like, like yeah, like. The people who lived across the street from my grandma, the people who lived next door, the people who lived like two doors down. Holy cow. They, yeah, it's like if you were being bad at my grandma's house, you fucking got the board of education. Hmm. And it's now we Hank. You just got the wooden spoon. Oh, yeah. Well, this was like about the like the, the same like consistent, like same kind of like weight mm. as, like it wasn't like a, a big paddle. a paddle. But I mean, it was like. It was like kind of like a miniature like cricket bat, I guess. Okay. So yeah, I mean, it was you know a paddle. It was a paddle, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it is now hanging in my uncle Larry's garage. <laughs> I awesome. like saw it one day and I was like, hey, it's support of education. So yeah, and then like when I was in school, like in my first elementary school from kindergarten to grade four, um, when I went to St. Peter's, there was like I never got it, but there was the strap, mm. and um, yeah, there was like there was definitely kids in my in my class that got the strap. Wow. And it was just like, it was and like. And that's in the 80s already. Right? Like, yeah. It was just like kind of like a piece of like, like thick, like stiffened, like leather almost. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that was in the principal's office. And hmm. if you got really bad, you got the strap. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't think, by the time I went to like St. Gregory, I don't think we had 
I'd never heard of anyone getting the strap there. Wow. So by like 1990, the strap had been outlawed, at least at St. Gregory. I don't know. Hmm. So yeah, be good or you'll get the strap, <laughs> <laughs> at least in Catholic school. So further to the, uh, the carpe diem of the whole movie, uh, Knox finally reads this poem to, to the girl. Um, I can't think of what the girl's name is. Chris. Chris, yes. So Knox finally reads this poem to the girl, and, uh, and the boys are like, well, did she like it? What did she say? And he's like, nothing, but I did it. Yeah. And it's like, that's kind of the whole point. Like, you know, yeah. that's, that's the big thing. Like, I need to, I need to like, communicate with her. I need to, like, read her this poem. Okay, I did it. And I didn't stop to think about what if she doesn't like it or what if she yeah. doesn't say anything. It's it like, like, I did it. I did the big thing. for him than for her almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I wrote, Charlie. I mean, Nawanda, stop, <laughs> stop with the cultural appropriation. Right. Uh, and, then, and then I wrote barf, and then in, in parentheses, I know it's of the time. But, <laughs> but still, just, yeah. Um, but then carpe diem, Knox. Yes, carpe diem. But fucking leave Chris alone. Like, you don't just need to wear her down to get her to, like, yeah. go out with you. Yeah. Like, she has a boyfriend. The scene at the party where he kisses her forehead like, you're bracing for it to be worse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was watching that, and I was like, no, no, stop right now. Don't do it. It's just, please don't. So Neil finally gets to be in his in his Shakespeare play, his Shakespeare play. Um, I've never seen a Midsummer Night's Dream, oh, but have. it looks quite delightful. It's my favorite. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like I should read it to find a, a version a of it. Oh, delightful. Um. Yeah, but, it, you know, he's got his little flower, like, wreath on, on his head, yeah. on, his, on his crown. And um, and I found it interesting that it's like, I have this wreath on, and the rest of me is just, like, black pants and a black shirt. Yeah. I kind of liked how they did the costuming, though. Like, the, um, you know, his was kind of all twigs, and then the his counterparts was all flowers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But very simple otherwise. Yeah, so you could tell, like, he's, like, kind of monologuing and delivering his lines, and people are like, wow, this is, like, really good, and I can see why you love it. And he's like, yes, like, I'm, like, in my element right now. I'm carping the shit out of this DM. <laughs> and uh, and then his dad comes in at the end, and he's, like, watching it, and I was like, oh, I bet now he's going to be like, I get it. I totally get it I now. Was yeah, I was yeah. wrong. And he's just like, get in the car and then they go home and his dad's all like you're going to military school because you need to go to harvard to be a doctor <laughs> because you rebelled so badly you were in a play a like, school play yeah. too it's not like you went to like the village in new york <laughs> you know and yeah you were in a school play but he was like yeah he's like just no none of this is acceptable you're you need to go to Harvard and you poor, need to be a serious yeah. Person, yeah. And poor Neil is just like, but that's ten more years of school. And yeah. He's just like, no, you're going, you're going there, and he's like, okay. I know so much of this movie is just like you can feel the weight of these parents' expectations mm -hmm. on these kids who are just, yeah, I don't know, like. Maybe I feel grateful that my parents had no expectations yeah, right? of me. Yeah, like. Yeah, I'm, I, I can't, I can't imagine the feeling of always disappointing your parents, yeah. no matter what you do. My parents have always been so supportive and let me be my weird little free spirit yeah. and always, always behind me. Like, 
you know, my mom and I are very, very close and she, she would support anything I did. My dad is much more stoic and like, he's not going to tell you, but he he tells you, you know, every once in a while you have a heart to heart and he, you know, he's always made sure I know that he believes in me and it's like, I couldn't imagine having these weighty expectations that aren't, that you don't get to live your own life. Yeah. Yeah, especially people who are like, you have to be like a lawyer or a doctor. Yeah. It's like, but I just want to be an actor. Like, that's a completely different thing. And people who just, like, aren't, quote unquote, allowed to do that. Yeah. It's like, but you're an adult. Like, I I just don't understand that at all. Because, like, I took fashion design and then costume design in school. And it's like, and that's what I wanted to do since I was, like, 10 years old. So it was never a question of, no, I think you should, you know be an accountant or something it's like no this is what I'm gonna do yeah and I mean I paid for my own schooling so it's like well if you don't like it you can give me some money so (laughs) you know yeah um but yeah so then of course you know the the unfortunate ending of Neil at the once they all go to bed that night is he does uh shoot himself um and then uh, his dad gets up and he's like what was that noise and he's like going through this just like monstrously large house like turning on lights and going down these stairs and turning on these lights and going yeah. down these stairs. And it's like, how big is this house? And then he finally goes into like the study or wherever, where, uh, where Neil is. And he finds that he, that he died. And immediately he's like, Oh, my son, my poor son, yeah, my boy. Yeah. My boy. Yeah. And it's like, why didn't you think of that in life? Like, why right. weren't you more concerned about that in life? Yeah. Like, red like did fr- this kid even, have any idea that you loved him like you're well, yeah. showing right now. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Fucking Red Foreman. Um, and then, so then after all that happens and the, all the boys go to school, you know, the next day or on the Monday or whatever it is, and the dean, I assume it's the dean, it's like the old like stodgy guy or yeah. whatever, and he's kind of interrogating all the boys about like kind of like what they knew and about yeah. the, the Poet Society and all that jazz. And he, like, goes to the hall, like, to, the, to, like, the dorm, gets one kid, then, like, they walk back to his office, and they talk, and then he walks that kid back, and then he gets another kid. It's like, I hope that guy has a Fitbit, because he is <laughs> getting his steps in today. So, the, the scene where they tell Todd, and then they go outside, and he, like, runs through the snow and is yeah, slipping yeah. and falling everywhere. Um, I actually read that that scene was scripted to be inside, but the snow had just fallen that morning and they mm-hmm. thought they kind of made a last minute change that it would be effective. But because the snow had stopped, they only had one shot to oh. to get it and yeah. all like the slipping and sliding yeah. was was just him running through yeah. the snow and it was natural. I laughed so hard in that scene because it's like, because like living on the prairies, we've both been there. Like you just get your footing after yeah. one side and it's like, whoa, and then you go the other way. It's like, oh, uh, no. I thought you were laughing at his reaction. And I'm like, um, I think it was appropriate. You fucking loser crying and being upset because your roommate cried or died. God, if I was any less of a person, I'd call you different names. But <laughs> no, it was just the way he's all just like slipping and sliding. It was like, whoa, yeah. whoa, been whoa. There, yeah, yeah. We'll probably do it again in, I don't know, two fucking months right. here. Tomorrow, maybe? Oh, don't say that. It's supposed to freeze overnight, I heard. No, it's actually not. You're false. You are mistaken. Sorry, I take it all back. Yeah, you should. So, yeah, overall, like, it's, 
you know, it was too bad that uh, the the teacher Keating is that yeah. his name? Yeah, too bad that he had to get uh, fired, but you know, it was to be expected, yeah. I guess, given the time period and whatnot. Well, and and how the parents were instantly like demanding an investigation and immediately like this can't be our fault; it yeah. has to be yeah. this radical yeah. teacher's fault. Yeah, can't be the fact that we have controlled our son for his whole life and yeah it was it was a nice like kind of show of solidarity when he like came to get his stuff at the end of the movie and they were all like standing oh, on captain, their desk my captain <laughs> ow my heart yeah um i almost feel like he probably did that like on purpose like to say goodbye to the boys I, oh for sure i don't yeah. know that he would have expected that reaction no, but no. it definitely was a one less chance to yeah yeah you know give them a wink yeah for sure. So overall, I think it ran on a little long mm. in the end. It kind of, I feel like it could have been, you know, edited a bit more concisely. Um, but I give it eight floral crowns out of ten. Aww. Well, I'm glad you liked it. It has, it, it has been a pivotal movie in my, my lifetime. Anything that's all about, like, live your dreams and be yourself and that just has always spoken to me yeah for sure did you ever like have a teacher that uh that kind of was like that to you I I did yeah Yeah. my high school music teacher I I just I idolized her and she so we had two music teachers in my high school and one came in in grade 10. So we had just the one in grade nine. And she was like the cool hip, like jazz band. And like, she played in jazz bands at, in real life. And she was hip. She played she, in a band. But like, and like, you know, she played like nightclubs in Ooh, like a, a jazz ensemble okay, kind okay, of thing. Yeah. And she taught the big choir at that time. Okay. And then in grade 10, a new music teacher came in, and she was the one who did more of, like, the choral stuff. Oh, okay. So she took over the big choir and the, like, choral classes and stuff. Yeah. And, of course, I've always been in, like, choirs. And, yeah. you know, I, I was in fancy choirs when I was, like, outside of school and stuff when I was younger. And so her approach to music and stuff was mm-hmm. much more my style and everybody else hated her because Aww. she was I shouldn't say everybody else but uh, like a lot of all the kids who took choir because it was an easy credit mm-hmm. hated her okay but those of us who were actually like excited about singing and yeah. the music and stuff um liked her and yeah so she had a really hard time and I just clung to her Aww. like yeah I just, I lived to impress her. Mm-hmm. And even years later, she, she did a lot of the music um, in like the summer stage plays okay. and stuff in Regina. Yeah. And um, I, I'd see her like in the pit and I'd wait till intermission and I'd go up and Aww, say hi. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. So for years after too, it was just like, yeah, she just, she meant a lot to me. Aw, that's sweet. What about you? Um, I, I'm like trying to think, I don't really think I did. Like, I, you know, I think we talked about it last week, how I was just like, over get me high, out of here. Yeah, I was over high school by like the second week of grade nine. So I really don't think I had a teacher where I was like, oh, they get me or they really like, mm. you know, like really like pulled something out of me or whatever. It's just like, 
Yeah. No. I'm just here. Yeah. I didn't really. There were definitely a couple of teachers like on the flip side who I feel like, you know how we all have like bullies or whatever. How I don't want to go to school because I don't want to encounter like this bully today. There were two teachers that were like that for me. So I had, I have similar. So I had this teacher in grade three and I really felt like she picked on me. I was a daydreamy kid. I mean, is that surprising? You're a daydreamy adult. Exactly. And like, (laughs) if I were to go to a doctor, there is a 103% chance they'd diagnose me with ADHD. Like, no question. And she was so hard on me about it. Like every teacher I had in elementary school, of course, had the like, Laura's a good student, but she needs to concentrate more. Well, this one would like, she was so on me about it that if I so much as like looked up from my work when we were supposed to be like working on our own quietly, like if I was thinking of an answer or like looking at something on the board or something from the other side of the room, she'd yell, Laura. Oh. Focus on your work or, you know, like call me out in front yeah. of the whole class. Oh, man. And then when I went into grade four, mm-hmm. here she was now my grade four teacher as well. And I have, I can't remember much from elementary school other than how disappointed I, like how heart, devastated. I was yeah. devastated yeah. that I had to go through another year with her. Oh, she was awful. I don't remember many of my elementary school teachers' names, but yeah. I remember her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when I was in elementary school, I actually had the same teacher for grade two and three. And it was the same thing where like I had her in grade two and then I got there to school in grade three. And it's like, I fucking have her again. Yeah. And she was It can make such a difference. Oh, like I went to one school from kindergarten to grade four because it was kind of around the corner from my grandma's house. And then grandma would just be kind of Mm. like my, like my caretaker during the day or whatever. So he must have registered me under her address. Yeah. I don't know. Well, they do that even with like daycares and stuff. You, yeah. Your school is based oh, on the yeah. location of your daycare, That's not true. your... That's true. Yeah. So she was like really awful. And I remember we got like partway through or like close to like the end of grade two. And mom was like, she had like had it with this woman. And she's like, you are not going back to the school next year. Like you're going to go to the school by our house. And I was like, no, mom, I don't want to leave this school. And I don't know why. Because it's not like I had all these friends to leave behind <laughs> or anything. But, um, and then she finally like conceded and let me do, no, it must've been in grade three when she said like, you're not coming back here next year. Cause I know I did grade four there. Mm. And then finally, after that, she was like, no, we're going to this other school. <laughs> but I remember in grade three, we were working on like little group projects and I know we had to like color or draw or something. So the teacher had like broken us all up into these little groups and we were all like kind of sitting in pods on the floor throughout the the classroom and so I mean you have like you know 28 year olds sitting on the floor it's gonna be noisy or whatever but we were doing our work we were like you know coloring or drawing or whatever we had to do and it was like me and then one girl that I was friends with and then one of like the like the boys in the class who like looking back like probably had ADHD like he was just you know come one of those kids that like Yeah, yeah. And so he said something silly and I giggled at it. And it's not like this room was silent because there were, you know, 28 year olds like on the floor. Yeah. And my teacher from like across the room, she like looked up and she came like marching over to our little pod and she was like, what is going on over here? And I was like, we're doing our work. And she's like, why is there so much laughing over here? And it's like heaven forbid you laugh, right? And isn't that why you put people into group projects is to learn to cooperate yeah, and get along with yeah. each other? And so I remember, like, 
she pulled the three of us like to the side and I remember she just kind of like because I mean I'm little so she was like looking up like looking down at me and I just remember in my head I remember her even having like her arms folded Mm. I feel like I probably made that part up (laughs) but she was just like I am surprised at you Deanne I am really surprised at you that you would act like that oh my god and she sent me, everyone in my group, out to the hallway. I have never been sent out to the <laughs> hallway before. Yeah. To the point where I didn't even understand what going out to the hallway meant. So, in like, the and the three of us, even the, the boy, I don't think he had ever been sent out to the hallway. So we were like, are we supposed to, like, just sit out here? Do we stand out here? I remember we eventually decided that, like, why we're out here is to, like, stand in a line in the hallway so, like, no one could get past us. <laughs> so, like, if, like, a kid who was going to the bathroom or something came past, we, like, put our arms <laughs> up. We're like, I don't know why we're here. We're just, like, we're out in the hallway. Uh-huh. And then my mom, like, had a, like, a conference with her or whatever, and she was like, what the fuck are you doing, lady? Wow. But, yeah, she Go was Penny, awful. though. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. My mom, like, you know, despite all her faults, she was, like, no one is fucking with her kids. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah. Um, sure. So, if you're listening to this and you're a teacher, take note that your actions impact kids 30-something years right? later. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. yeah. I think about that teacher a lot. And I feel like, you know, when you're eight, like, I don't know what, like, formative years actually are, but I feel like that was, like, oh, a formative sure. yeah. year. Because, you know, that I really learned... In, in, like, that one teacher's class that stuck with me for years later where it's, like, don't speak up. Like, don't make yourself, like, stand out mm. or to the point where, make like... Make yourself small. Yeah. And she made me so <clears throat> nervous to put up my hand and just say, can I please go to the bathroom? Like, oh, I was wow. so afraid. I had, like, more than one accident in that class because I was just so nervous to put up my hand and say, hey, can I please go to the bathroom? And so... Oh, I want to hug eight-year-old dad. Right? <laughs> and so I feel like that's maybe, like, where, like, a lot of anxiety came from. Because it's like, don't, I don't totally. dare, like, do anything. Yeah, I don't you don't want to be that... disruptive. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was too afraid to carpe that DM. Well, now but, you are carping the heck out of your yes, DMs. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Anyway, enough about our middle school trauma. Or elementary school trauma. <laughs> we got another movie to talk about. So now the movie I made you watch this week is The Lost Boys. Did you know anything about The Lost Boys going in? So I knew it had the Corys ah, yes. and Kiefer Sutherland. Um, and I knew it was about like teenage vampires. Yeah. I was wrong about who the vampires were though. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I um, I thought the Corys were in oh, the, okay. the group yeah. of vampires. That's about all I knew about it. I knew that it was one that like everybody in our generation has watched regardless of except for you apparently yeah except for (laughs) me um and regardless of if you like horror movies or whatever it was all you know i think it was just all about the quarries really everybody had a crush on the quarries yeah except me oh okay (laughs) um yeah so that's pretty much it yeah well the lost boys is a 1987 film it was directed by Joel Schumacher, mm. and it has everyone in it. <laughs> um, it has the Corys, uh, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. 
It has uh, Kiefer Sutherland, who is the grandson of, in my opinion, one of the greatest Canadians, uh, Tommy Douglas. Uh, it also stars Jason Patrick, Jamie Gertz, Diane Wiest, Edward Herman, Alex Winter, and Barnard Hughes as the grandpa, um, who has also played Blossom's grandpa in Blossom. Interesting. Yeah. So it had a budget of $8.5 million and made $32.2 million at the box office. It played, uh, or it opened at number two the summer when it came out. It came out in July. And this is something that I read, but I didn't know. But it references uh, Peter Pan characters who never grow old, as apparently they're called the Lost Boys. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I've never seen Peter Pan. Well, there's various iterations of it, but yeah. Yeah, um, I've, I've never seen any of the Peter Pans or read any of the Peter no, Pans. No. So. Making a whole note of that. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there's actually one part in the movie where David says to Michael, you never grow old, you never die. Yeah, yeah, I never put that together. Yeah. So our buddy Roger Ebert apparently liked this movie more than he liked Dead Poet Society. Oh, wow. He gave it a 2.5 out of 4. Oh, so only like just a little bit more. Yes. So Roger Ebert's quote for this movie is, a cast that's good right down the line. But ultimately describing Lost Boys as a triumph of style over substance and an ambitious entertainment that starts out well but ends up selling its soul. <laughs> and it's like, okay, Roger He Ebert. just was so high on himself. He really hey? was, like, yeah. yeah. Like, get over it, buddy. <laughs> um, Nothing can just be for entertainment. Yeah, like if it's not like super high art, he's like, oh, I can't be bothered. Yeah. And then even something like Deb Poet Society, which I, you know, I see as more of like a serious movie. Yeah, He's yeah. like, well, I don't know about that. Yeah. yeah. I see through it. Yeah. Um, so. I wonder how much of your cat's bell jingling is picking up. Yeah, it probably, I, I thought about taking her bell off before uh, filming this, but she was being so good before I went and pet her and woke her up it's 20 minutes ago. It's ambiance anyway. It is, yeah. Last week we had thunder and this week we have bells. So, <laughs> I can hear the bells. That's from a... Uh... You're the one randomly breaking into song. No, you're just, you're, you're a bad influence on me. <laughs> um, so, Rotten Tomatoes uh, certified Lost Boys as fresh at 76%. Um, one of the quotes from that was, it's flawed by eminent Flawed but eminently watchable, which is a decent thing to say. I mean, there's no such thing as a perfect movie. Every movie's sure. flawed, yeah. you know. So, yeah. Uh, Metacritic gave it 63%, but it has a cinema score of A-. minus. So, nice. pretty decent. There were two sequels after this. Oh, really? Movie. Yeah. Um, that is most people's reaction. Oh, really? That? Really? Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, they were straight to DVD. Um. The first one was um, Lost Boys, The Tribe. It had both the Corys in it. Um, and Corey Feldman was kind of held out on it for a while. He's like, I don't want to do that again. Like, you know, I don't want to like kind of like return to yeah. a previous thing. Like, that's not what I'm about. But Corey Haim really wanted to do it. Mm. And he's like, come on, guy. Like, let's do it. Because he was kind of, you know, he was in a bad way in, in the last yeah. few years of his life. And I think, you know, it was probably... He, I think he saw it kind of as a money grab, like this is a good way to make some money, For like sure, cash yeah. in on the, on like the nostalgic factor. 
And then also just, you know, kind of like relive those glory days a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. So they kind of went back and forth where Feldman was like, okay, fine, like I'll do it. And then Corey Haim was like, no, like we don't have to or whatever. And then, and then, you know, they kind of went the other way where Corey Haim was like, no, like let's, let's make this movie. I'm ready. I want to do it. So finally, Corey Feldman was like, okay, yeah, let's, let's make this movie. And then, at, you know, then once he decided, yes, I'm in, I think he even actually co-produced it. Oh. And at that point, Corey Haim was like, no, I want nothing to do with this movie. <laughs> and he had to beg him to be in oh that movie. God. And in the end, it was only a cameo. He was only in it really? for a cameo. And then Corey Feldman was in it for like a decent amount of the film. Wow. Yeah. So, that and then, yeah. Sucks. Yeah. And the movie sucked. And then um, part three, which was Lost Boys, The Thirst, it came out in October of 2010, and Corey Haim died in March of 2010. Oh, okay. So there was never any, uh, he was never going to be in that yeah. movie anyway. Um, I don't think any original cast members were in that one. Um, I know I've seen it, and I couldn't tell you a damn thing about it. it <laughs> well, just, it clearly made an impression. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's also been uh, comic books that have come out um, either based on the movie or kind of continuation of the movie and whatnot. Well, comic books are very important. They are. Oh, yeah. Okay, they are. <laughs> I was like, they are. Don't diss comic books, okay? Some people like to read them. But yes, yeah. Yeah, so I, I would be interested. I've seen kind of like single pages of it and whatnot, and they look kind of interesting, so I'd cool. like to see them. Yeah. And then, of course, there is the soundtrack, which is just like amazing like i look at i looked at like the soundtrack yeah. today and it's like that is like the music like that that was like what i liked when i was like eight years old or whatever <laughs> when it like um yeah so many of those artists was just that was like my introduction to a lot of those artists that i still listen to you know today like in excess and echo and the Bunnyman and stuff like that the first piece of music i ever bought with my very own money was the cassette tape of In Excess's Kick. Wow. That was the very first thing I ever, like, spent my money on. I think my first was Roxette. Ah, yes. Yeah, I definitely had a couple um, singles of them. Singles. I, I bought a Roxette tape, and then I left it in the back dash oh, of yeah. our car, yeah, and it melted. And yep. It was heartbroken. Womp, womp. All right. Um, so why don't you tell me uh, the, what you found the plot for The Lost Boys to be, and then I can give you a couple little uh, fun facts. All right. So the plot is a single mom uh, moves from Arizona to, they're in California, right? Yeah. Uh, with her two teenage sons and moves in with her very eccentric father, um, who kind of reminds me of my grandpa. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and she gets a job at this video store and starts falling for the, the owner of it. Meanwhile, her sons are busy discovering that there are vampires in this town. Vampire. And uh, <laughs> the face you're making, I'll explain Vampire. that in a second. I'll, <laughs> I'll explain that in a second. Um, yeah. And so then... Um, the sons, one of the sons becomes a vampire and the other one has to try and save him and, um, they all live happily ever after. So vampire, (laughs) um, does your niece ever watch a 
stupid show called Max and Ruby? Sometimes I think, yeah. I've heard It's of like two bunnies. One's an older sister and one's a little like toddler brother. And their parents just are, don't exist. They're like, okay, yeah. Passed out in the bedroom or something. I don't know. You never, you see the grandma once in a while, but okay. it's like the whole show is about um, this overbearing little over, older sister trying to make her little brother behave. Okay. Anyway, I hate it. But, um, <laughs> you know, there are some little kids' shows that nieces or nephews or whatever watch, and yeah. it's cute enough. But yeah. this one just was annoying. But Max the little brother only says like one word per episode. Oh. And there was a Halloween episode and yeah. he was dressed up as a vampire and he oh, would just okay. say, vampire. So I will never see the word vampire, hear the word vampire, see a picture of a vampire without it being vampire in my head. Okay. The way you were saying it, like in my head, I imagined it to be like um, the Pitbull song, Fireball. So just really- <laughs> Fireball, vampire, vampire. Take a shot. <laughs> Only blood. Um, Only blood. <laughs> anyway, so that's the the plot in okay. a nutshell. Fair enough. So I just have a. Um, I guess I just have like one real fun fact here. Um, Kiefer Sutherland broke his wrist doing a wheelie on the motorbikes that they were uh, <laughs> that they were riding in the movie. So it sounds like he was just kind of like fucking around and showing off and then it was like oops broke my wrist so that's why they have him wearing gloves in oh. this movie because it was to cover up his cast hmm. and then they also rigged the bike so that it could be ridden driven whatever um one-handed so we just had to use his left hand with it oh that's so cool. that he could just still like look cool and then <laughs> uh well he did that he did he did and then it, it then it reminded me and it made me think like is Kiefer Sutherland just kind of like a like a fuck around and find out kind of guy? Because the other like me- like thing I think of when I think of Kiefer Sutherland, I think of like Lost Boys. I think of him being Tommy Douglas's grandson, and then I think of that like video of him <laughs> like drunkenly attacking that Christmas tree. Have you ever I seen? <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's like he like he's in like a hotel. <laughs> lobby or like a restaurant or something and he's like drunk and i think he's trying to like leave or like they're kind of like mr southern like you're creating a scene like can you please leave kind of thing and so instead of just like walking away he just like literally like why (laughs) that's amazing you gotta find it i will like post it to our instagram or whatever but i want to see if i can like find it real quick That would explain. That's amazing. So, those are the three things I think of when I think of Keith or Sutherland. Uh, So, on that note, tell me what you thought about the Lost Boys. (laughs) Well, they weren't as entertaining as you are right now. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um. So immediately I was like, well, the fashion is a choice. Yeah. It's a very specific moment in time. The yes. fashion is, yes. the whole uh, the whole aesthetic of this movie is like a pinpoint moment in yeah. time, yeah. Um, which was fun. 
Uh, is there anything creepier than an amusement park at night? Oh, right? Yeah. So there, like, there's this boardwalk where it's like, like the X. Yeah. Every night. Yeah. Oh, that stresses me out. That's like, like Santa Monica Pier is like. Yeah, that. I yeah. know. It's, I, I want to go to like more boardwalks. I, I love them. I think they're great. I, uh, I don't know. I just don't, I don't like it <laughs> i don't like it <laughs> i mean maybe like like the santa monica pier in the daytime or something but like i am not a fan of like carnivals or mm, like okay. i can't remember the last time i went to like the x in oh, our yeah. city yeah um but yeah at night especially like once it's closed down and everybody's gone yeah yeah, yeah. creepiest thing ever yeah. <laughs> when the grandpa is first like showing the kids the rules of yeah, the house yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's talking about the TV guide yeah. and, and don't peel the label and like how you've got to take good care of the TV guide and stuff. And there's no TV, but you don't need a TV if you've got the TV yeah, guide. Yeah. Holy cow. I remember TV guide yep. and, and getting excited when it showed up every week yep. and, um, reading through it and finding, circling the shows that you wanted to watch. What a different time. What an insane thing to do. Like, there is a book that gets delivered to your house every week with, like, the newspaper. Yeah. And, like, like usually, like, Friday night's newspaper it would come with. And then you just went through and you just, like, read this book to see what you would watch on TV. <laughs> and then you just had to make sure you were in front of the TV at, like, 9 o'clock so you yeah. could watch fucking full Dallas. House or whatever. <laughs> Dallas yeah so fucking weird like, yeah such a, such a random concept to like like gen z or probably even like some millennials are probably like what's the tv what guy now? Yeah, yeah exactly um yes yeah, i said gen z get over it <laughs> whatever um i just have a note here i love diane weist yeah she's great she's, i really yeah. like her um uh, did you ever watch uh Modern Family, I think it's called. Mm, no. It was just in, the, like, the last few years, a sitcom mm, mm-hmm. that she was on. And I really liked it. Yeah. Um, and then I'm like, hey, is that Bill? Or is it Ted? It's it Bill. Is, yeah, it's Bill. It's Bill. Yeah. yeah I yeah. had to Google it after, yeah. but because uh, it was okay. bugging me. Yeah. Um, and the shop owner yeah. is Rory's grandpa from Gilmore Girls. Oh, big surprise. I never watched that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it hasn't aged well. Oh, okay. I wa- I loved it. I watched it faithfully, but yeah. yeah. Now, okay. like, <laughs> so a couple years ago, they released like four hour long episodes that was like, mm-hmm. you know, the last season of it or whatever yeah. when, like years later. And I actually... <laughs> booked the day off work the day that it wow. came out to, to watch it. I mean, it was just a fun excuse for a day off oh, work, yeah. but, um, but I, I loved it so much. And then I watched that whole new series through a grimace. Oh, really? Yeah, it was, oh. it was, it was super cringy. And now that I look back at some of the cringy is my word of the episode, yeah, apparently. Yeah. Um, at least it's not quirky. Or chuggy. Chuggy. <laughs> oh my God. So chuggy. <laughs> so dumb. And then I'm like, oh, when Corey meets Corey. Right. Oh, I love the Corys. 
So you never liked the Corys, eh? No, I was never into the Corys. Huh, and and that still tracks after this yeah? movie. Okay. I maybe yeah. Okay, I've got a comment later that okay. that will explain. I love though the comic book gatekeeping when yes, he first goes oh into God. the comic book store and they're like, "Well, what about this?" And he's like, "Well, episode or uh, issue, blah blah blah." And, yeah. You know, he's all know it all about the comic yeah. books and it, it's like, okay, you've passed the test. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know nowadays when you see somebody wearing a band shirt and somebody's like, "Yeah, name three of their name songs." Name three songs. Yeah, exactly. Never mind, it's a fun t-shirt. Let me wear it. Yeah, there was um there's a YouTuber I follow, um, Finn McKenty. He does the punk rock MBA. And on his Instagram, he showed a picture of um, I think Kylie Jenner, one of the Jenners wearing, I think she was wearing like a corpse grinder t-shirt. And then someone commented, Oh yeah, you love corpse grinder? Name three corpses. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then I had a prediction that I think ended up proving myself wrong uh the grandpa shows Corey his sam right yeah his fancy old car mm -hmm. and i'm like yeah that car is 103 percent not surviving this movie right? yeah. but i think it did actually I, yeah i think it did yeah. his his jalopy truck maybe doesn't but yeah. the fancy car does and then we're in Sam's bedroom, and is that a Rob Lowe yeah. poster? Is it a sexy Rob Lowe poster? <laughs> it's a very yeah, sexy Rob Lowe poster. it is. <laughs> Sam is very okay with his sexuality, and he's like, look at Rob Lowe is hot, so I gotta put it up there. No shame. <laughs> and then um, we make it to the scene where um, the older brother is kind of getting in with the vampires. Yeah. <laughs> Vampires. And they're eating Chinese food. Yes. And the rice becomes maggots and yeah. the noodles become worms. Yeah. And, um, bleh. <laughs> and I said, what in the mind control is this? Right? Yeah. Uh, what in the MK Ultra is this? Because <laughs> <laughs> at first I was like, when it was just the rice, I thought that it legitimately was maggots mm. for a second and then when I realized oh no they're like controlling his mind to, yeah. to yeah. see that yeah so that when he goes to drink the wine and there or the wine then it's like oh it's blood it's like it's not blood it's like it wasn't worms right exactly it. it's like ha now you're tricked you tricked yeah. you into becoming a half vampire which I didn't know was a thing oh it is in this universe <laughs> um so I kind of alluded to this earlier but um I, yeah, I always thought the Corys were the vampires. I didn't just allude to it. I actually said that outright, didn't I? Yes, right out loud you did. <laughs> I can't remember ten minutes ago. No, it's, it's tricky, I know. There's a scene where, what's the older brother's name? Michael. Michael. Uh, he's falling, and it <laughs> it's so clearly like a guy standing on the ground waving his arms like, oh, I'm falling. Yes. <laughs> Just like that, too. <laughs> you guys can imagine the arm motions that I was making. It, just it's there. like one of those blow-up guys at like a... At like a Wacky, wavy arms. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> I feel like your neighbors love us right now. Well, they better. I love how mad 
Sam gets when he realizes that his brother's a vampire. It's not like I'm worried or I'm scared or anything. It's like, you're a vampire. He's so mad. <laughs> My own brother, a goddamn shit sucking vampire. Well, you wait till mom finds out, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then I, I went through this real time of trying to figure out, is Star a vampire or is she like a vampire groupie? What What's her deal? Yeah. I mean... And then very shortly after I wrote that, I'm like, oh, she's a vampire. Yeah. Vampire. (laughs) Vampire. And so then Michael and Star kiss. And then all of a sudden we've got this real like 80s flying through the clouds. I'm like, oh, is is this sex? Yeah. This is representing sex. Okay. They are doing the sex. In the clouds. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then I've got a quote here. We've been aware of some pretty serious vampire activity. I just can't take Corey Feldman seriously. (laughs) (laughs) But he's dressed up really seriously. He's like miniature Rambo. Come on, you gotta take that seriously. So my whole note here is, I just can't take Corey Feldman seriously. But it's okay because he does it enough for all of us. This is true, yes. (laughs) I do, I love Corey Feldman though. I, you know, um... I have nothing against Corey Feldman. Okay, yeah. I, I, uh, he's a weird dude. Yeah. He's, which, he's had a weird, he's had a he's hard, had a weird upbringing. life. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'll give it to him. But, uh, you know, and I've seen him on some, like, reality shows and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. Or even interviews and stuff in real life. And he's just, he's, he's, he's an interesting guy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like he just takes himself so seriously. And even the voice he talks yeah, in is like yeah, yeah. this really exaggerated tough guy voice. That's what this place is. Just one big giant coffin. <laughs> um So there's a scene where Sam is in bed and he wakes up and there's a taxidermied <laughs> owl yep. right beside his bed. Yeah. And um this reminds me, legit, of waking up in my grandparents' house growing up. Yeah. My grandpa used to do taxidermy. Oh. Um, and there were lots of taxidermy birds in yeah. their house. Yeah. Um, he was, like, well-known enough in the community that he did this, that people would, like, if they found a, um, like, a roadkill bird that was yeah. not, like, mush. mush. Yeah. They'd bring it to him and oh, he'd, really? he'd taxidermy oh, cool. and stuff. And um, so, yeah, I every time we were in this house growing up, there was there was all sorts of taxidermy yeah. animals. And the bedroom that I used to sleep in, hanging directly above the headboard, was a bear head. Whoa! In, like, an attack pose. Whoa! Like his, it was kind of... Looked like he was coming out of the wall down with his mouth open in a growl. Oh my so god! So that was like you'd you'd wake up and and it's right above your head. So that was the thing of nightmares for a wow. While. <laughs> um, but yeah, but then you know, as I mentioned last episode, we just lost my grandpa yeah. a couple weeks ago. So then I was like, oh, the scary taxidermy. <laughs> There's some really great quotes in this movie. I realize I quote this movie a lot in my daily life. Like, if I start to say, like, goddamn something, then I'll always be like, goddamn shit sucking, (laughs) you know, dishwashers on the fritz or something. (laughs) 
And then a lot of times if I like get into my car and I like start the car and I like, you know, I like cue up some music or I like get all ready to put my sunglasses, then I'm like, okay, let's go to town. <laughs> yeah, I quote this movie a lot. Um, I wrote one down here. You may be a vampire, but you're still my brother. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, Star is a vampire. But now I'm wondering, is she the head vampire? Oh, okay. Because she's the one who kind of lured him yeah, in. Yeah. So I was on that. I, so my first, like, teeter-totter I was on is, is she a vampire? Is she not a vampire? And then I'm like, okay, she is a vampire. Is she the queen or is she just... Mm. I feel like she was only half vampire, though. I think she was, yeah. but I don't think that was super clear until no, no. the end. Yeah. And then, so they decide to try and find who the lead vampire is and go kill him Mm -hmm. uh and they go down to their lair um the quarries and uh well yeah the quarries yeah um and they stab bill Mm -hmm. with the wooden (laughs) stake yeah and it okay first of all it was like Seriously gory or, or not, it wasn't gory, like, gross, yeah. or, but it was, it was gross. Yeah. It was, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. A, a, it was excessive yeah. for what you would expect yeah. when you stab a vampire. But then, so here's my, my, like, aha moment. Mm. So whatever leaks out of Bill when they stab him, yeah. I think it's supposed to just look wet yeah. on them, like, when they get back in the car and stuff, but it legit looks like glitter. There was actually glitter involved in that. Yes. So this is where Twilight vampires yeah. are twinkly. Yes. yes. <laughs> the, the, there's been, is that like a real? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. It's um. I mean, in Lost Boys, there was like it's been said that you see a real turn from like old scary monsters to like young, sexy, like alluring people. Oh, okay. And then yeah, like the the whole glitter thing was because they were kind of like rock stars, like they were you yeah. know like, dressed really cool and the, they rode these motorbikes and yeah. And then yeah, and then the train trestles. Yeah, and they played chicken and yeah, yeah. But yeah, and then the glitter part. I believe that is where Stephanie Meyer got that from. Interesting. interesting. I thought I was just being. Oh, you're not that clever. No, (laughs) Um, but uh, that scene actually sent Alex Winter to the hospital because he, uh, who played the Marco, the vampire, um, because Bill. Yeah, Bill. Yes, Bill (laughs) the vampire. Because um, there was glitter, and then the way, because it was, like, mixed in with this blood that was coming out. So he was hanging upside down, and then, um, you know, he was all, like, going crazy when they stabbed him, and he was, like, all this glitter and, like, dust and stuff got in his eyes, and he actually, like, scratched his cornea, and he was, like, quite, like, injured for a while, actually. Wow. Yeah. That's so fun. Yeah, so he was, like, so anytime, like, in that scene when you hear him, like, screaming and carrying on he's not acting anymore that's actually him like screaming holy shit yeah now i want to go back and watch that scene although maybe not (laughs) i have a a note that nanook is the goodest boy he's such a good boy (laughs) i also felt like buddy that died in the bathtub yeah that was a little excessive but it also gave me ghostbuster vibes Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Because like, he kind of melts into the bathtub of holy water. Yeah. Um, I love that they, like, fill their little water guns right? up with yes. holy water, too, yeah. from the bathtub. So smart, though. Yeah. You know, because then you can just go shoot them. Um, 
But they needed some like super soakers, not just these. I little... don't think they had super soakers. Probably in not. But... See. Yeah, and then it kind of the tub turns into almost like a pink goo before mm-hmm. it starts getting really mm-hmm. yeah, red, yeah. and it starts coming out like the taps and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, that definitely gave me slime. Yeah, vibes yeah, that's from... definitely Ghostbustery yeah. for sure. I had a moment where I'm like, you know, I have been roasting this the whole time. I've been watching it and yeah. making fun of it, but I'm having so much fun. Yeah. Like, it was, it was a, a fun, yeah. fun watch. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there were times where, like, the special effects were, like, they really reminded me of special effects that you'd have on, not special effects, just effects that you'd have on, like, a stage play. Okay. Like, bright lights shining from outside that are clearly just, like, a spotlight that's yep. shining yep. and, you know, but it's supposed to represent something else yeah. or whatever. Um yeah, it was uh, hokey. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. In place, well, no, the whole movie was a little bit hokey cheesy, okay. but uh, but fun. Yeah. Um, I loved the uh, quote of calling them the blood-sucking Brady Bunch. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then my last real note is like, Grandpa knows what's up. Oh, yeah. There there came a point where I'm like, I didn't even really think about it ahead of, or like throughout the movie. But then towards the end where it's like, obviously the grandpa's going to come in and save the day. Yeah. I'm like, well, of course grandpa's going to save the day. Like he's this eccentric old guy that's lived in this town forever. He knows what's up. Yeah. He knows that yeah. Yeah, this is not going to be a surprise to him at all. So yeah. um, the only thing you can't stand about Santa Carla. All the goddamn vampires. All the goddamn vampires. So, yeah. So, I, I'm i glad I have now seen this because I can join the rest of my generation. Ooh, yeah. Definitely not enough to say, like, I want to try and watch the sequels oh, or God, anything. no. Please don't. Please don't. Absolutely e- not. Even if, the, <laughs> even if the sequels were, like... Even if you said, oh, I loved the sequels. I probably, I was like, you know, it was a fun watch, but it was not something that I'm like, oh, good, I can die now. I've watched oh, this. Like, yeah. it wasn't any, yeah. it was, it, it didn't, uh, it wasn't my favorite of the ones that you've, okay. you've yeah. assigned me to yeah. watch. I will give it seven out of ten bottles of blood. 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 Yeah, I, I love this movie so much. Like, it is so iconic to me like I know it's not like a great movie or anything but because it's so iconic there yeah like I that are yeah like fun in their bad yeah yeah like I've watched this movie like a thousand times like and I could watch it again right now like I I just love it so much um I saw it like when it first came out like when it first kind of came to like home video so and things came to home video like a lot like, it took a lot longer to come to home video. Okay. Yeah, Whereas, yeah. like, now it's, like, it's in the theater now, and it'll be on DVD, like, next Tomorrow. week or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially with COVID, like, things are, like, going to DVD so fast yeah. or whatever. Um, so, yeah. So, I probably saw it in, like, 1988 when I was, like, eight. Like, you know, <laughs> hooray for absentee parenting. Um, but, yeah. And I feel like that really, like, formed a lot of, like, the music I listened to and, like, you know, like, the clothes and, like, everything. Because also, like... I spent a lot of time at my grandma's house, you know, when I was under 10 and my, one of my aunties still lived at home and she was a teenager in the eighties. 
So in my mind, she was just like the coolest fucking person <laughs> on the planet. So between like her influence and then watching movies like this, I was just like this need for like cool. Like I have to listen yeah. to like the cool music and like wear the cool <laughs> clothes. And I've never been concerned with being cool. Yeah, well. Yeah. Um, there are lots of movies that I think about like that though that, that I'd probably have the same experience where I could watch it a thousand times. And because I've watched it my entire life so many times, I just love it to death. But if somebody were experiencing it the first time now as yeah, an adult, yeah. would it? So there's there's some that are on my list of ones that I want to make yeah. you watch that that I have a, a strong feeling will be like that. Like it's it's part of my DNA, mm-hmm. but I might not like it if I just watched it now. Yeah. So, but do any of these movies feature? An oiled up, muscly shirt, shirtless man playing a saxophone at a carnival. <laughs> that looks like Shawn Michaels, the wrestler. Oh, he does kind of, doesn't he? <laughs> <clears throat> Not that I can think of. Okay, well, 0.1 for the Lost Boys then. <laughs> All right, well, this was a fun week. It was, yeah. Well, a fun and a depressing week. Well, yeah, you know. It was good to... Watch The Lost Boys after Dead Poet Society because yeah. it was a, a good, just fun time. Yes. Um, I did find it interesting. There was kind of like parallels in both movies. Like they kind of like, we kind of put them together because it's like, oh, they're, you know, they're uh, just two movies about, you know, kind of like wayward. Of, yeah, yeah, like little secret groups. <clears throat> but I feel like I wrote something down that proves my point. And they were made only two years apart from mm-hmm. each other too, which... yeah. I didn't realize when we were picking them. Yeah. Oh, I just wrote, I can see the similarities between uh, Dead Poet Society and the Lost Boys. They're both these groups of lost boys. Like, yes. You know, they're yeah. kind of, they're teenagers and they're kind of in this like new territory and they're trying to, you know, <clears throat> kind of find their way. Yeah, and find themselves. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and there's death in both groups. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. This one of of the groupings we've had so far, I f- didn't find as many parallels, but but yeah, I could definitely see the kind of overarching theme of these young young men trying to figure themselves out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so speaking of themes, we're going to go a little bit <clears throat> themeless for our next few episodes. Um, Creeps, we are officially in spooky season. <laughs> it's the best time of year. It's the most <laughs> wonderful time of the year. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> oh, my. So spooky season is extra great this year because there are Five weeks in, well, I guess there's always five weeks in October or, you know, whatever. Yeah, it depends where the it way it, The way it works out, we are going to have three, count them, three episodes in October. We are going to get real spooky with it. And we're going to be a little bit secretive. We have not talked about the movies that we're going to do in October. They are going to be unveiled as a surprise at the end of every episode. So... We're going to kind of try to go, like, be the most in our respective fields. Yeah. So I'm, I don't know if it's really going to be, like, the three scariest films you've ever seen. But, like, three, like, right up there, like, yeah. you know, these are. 
quintessential. Yeah, like we we took the training wheels off a few weeks ago, and I hope you know how to ride your bike now because we're going. <laughs> Might have some skin knees. Yeah, yeah. Get your get your knee pads and your helmet. Um, so next week or next episode for our first foray into our October episodes, we are going to watch The Conjuring. <gasps> oh, I heard that's scary. Oh, I'm scared. I can't wait. Oh God. <laughs> what are you What are you going to subject me to? Well, now I feel a little less bad for <laughs> the the chickiest of chick flicks that I could think of in the moment. So, um. I thought of like a quintessential rom-com chick flick. Um, you're going to watch You've Got Mail. Ooh, it took me a second to even remember what that was. Ooh, that's got like some Meg Ryan shit in it. Meg Ryan it? and Tom Hanks. Oh, I mean, man. you've got mail. You've got mail. Yikes. I'm afraid <laughs> now too. <laughs> oh gosh. I'm going to throw up. So am I. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess that sums it up. So uh, on that note, you can find us on Instagram at Love and Horror Podcast. Uh, My own Instagram is at Deanne Teresa. My Instagram is LMCLaura580. And you can also email us at loveandhorrorpodcast at gmail.com. Um, please rate, review, and can you subscribe on Apple Podcasts? Yes. Um, do all those things. Five star reviews only. It's, uh, <laughs> the rules. I don't make the rules. I just try to follow them. I'm the rule follower here. Yeah, I mean, we have to. So yes. that's just, I mean, we don't want to get in trouble from Mr. Apple. Right. Steve Jobs ghost. <laughs> um. On that note, I think we're done. I think we're done. (laughs) So thanks for listening. And remember, all is fair in love Love and horror. Vampire. One day I'm going to fucking do this podcast. I got distracted by my sneeze.